Welcome to the Financial Flight Plan with Tim Estes and Bree Reyes. When it comes to your financial future, we believe the sky is the limit. We'll give you the proper tools to keep your engine <clears throat> portfolio running smoothly. Let us pilot the answers to some of your toughest financial issues. The Financial Flight Plan starts now. Well, hello and welcome into the Financial Flight Plan podcast. I am Ben George alongside Bree Reyes. She is an investor coach and a certified financial planner at Estes Financial. Bree, welcome in. What's going on today? Hey, and I'm also a chartered federal employee benefit consultant, which is going to totally go with our theme today. Yes, very relevant for today's conversation. Yeah, and the other thing is I'm just trying to survive February 2023. Uh-oh, what's I going on? Well, <laughs> what is so it you may remember <laughs> what you may remember from the podcast uh, a little a little conversation about the fact that we moved into a house kind of frantically yeah. um, after figuring out the other one had a gas leak next door. Um, it's a fun thing to live next to. So first, actually, this was back in January. Um, mid mid, I started off January with COVID, a terrible terrible case of COVID. Mid-January, I'm finally feeling okay, so I'm moving some boxes around the house. And I missed a step, and so I rolled down a flight of stairs. Oh, man. And got a concussion. Oh, brilliant. And some bruises and some bumps and some con contusions, they call it. Um, my mother-in-law had to take me to the hospital because Joaquin was home with Nate, and they both watched it happen. They, at first, they thought I was kidding because apparently I rolled like a cartoon character, hmm. uh, which you know always makes you feel graceful. And uh, the best part was when we got to the ER and they were like, are you, you know, have you, have you ingested anything? Are you, you know, are you sober? Basically they were trying to figure out if I was drunk or high and I'm going, no, yeah. no, no, I am stone sober right now. In fact, I had a beer waiting downstairs for me that I was going to come down and get um, after I moved one more box. Mm -hmm. So I have not had a lick to drink. I haven't, I haven't ingested anything. I'm fine. And later on, they, uh, they they had to give me a, a urine test to figure out if they could do x-rays. That's how bad it was. I had four or five x-rays and two CTs Jeez. that night. And uh, they were like, congratulations, you're not pregnant, and you are actually sober. It's like, thank you. Oh, thank you, I knew that. <laughs> yeah. They were like, well, it probably wouldn't have hurt so bad if you were drunk. <laughs> yes, probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so that is... That happened, and then we had a terrible ice storm here, in, uh, and so that happened two days before the ice storm. And and the problem with an ice storm here in Texas, Ben, because I know you're not from here, is that we just completely. I mean, it was an inch of ice on my driveway. It was incredibly dangerous, mm -hmm. and our bridges and we have too many bridges and highways and overpasses in North Texas, and we don't have we don't have the the snow tires. Most of us don't have all wheel drive vehicles. It's just not a thing. So we just shut down. It's just easier. Everybody stays home. So my calendar got screwed up because uh, the concussion took me out for a day and a half. And then <laughs> and then um, we were out of the office for a week. And then when we were starting to get back in the office for the week, or at least Lori was supposed to get back in the office for the week, because I've had a vacation plan for a couple of years that I had to leave for right on the back of the snow, the ice storm. Um, she contracted a very, very, very bad case of COVID. So it is now, I don't know, February, mid-February, and we're finally both being able to work in our office together at the same time, which is lovely. Man. But that's why I said this month is trying to kill me. 
<laughs> ah, very sorry, Bree. Are you uh, are you still feeling the effects of the fall? I'm sure. Um, I'm having some. Yeah, I'm having some headaches. I'm having um, late in the day. My memory is a little bit. I cannot write. I remember like I told Joaquin to do a thing, but I can't remember what the thing is. Type of situation. Yeah. Right. So mm. I've had to call. You know, and I'm. I'm candid with everybody. I'm a klutz. I fell down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Bear with me for a second. I'm going to be ch- triple checking my math for a little while until I feel like, you know, the effects are gone. Man, uh, are you at least settled into the house a little bit? Unpacking? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we're re- we're ready for March completely. We're we're just we're just barreling straight into March. Hey, I've hit my deductible for the year on my health oh. insurance. If we're looking for a good sign. There's there you positive. go. Okay. There's your silver lining. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Well, to- yeah, I try. Today, something we're going to talk about will also probably won't help you. Um, kind of gives anybody a headache thinking about, right? Is is just the government, and I've heard so much, Bree, about the the debt, right? That's happening, and and you know, trying to get it sorted out on whether or not the country is going to default on its debt, and and the debt ceiling, and the limits, and and just. It's coming at you on top of everything else that's happening, right, economically, <laughs> and trying to make some sense of it. And I figured, of course, with your credentials and you paying attention to this, that you're the perfect person to help kind of sort this out. Because I'm sure I am not the only person with these questions. No. In fact, to a lot of our federal employee clients, I made a video right around the time that this was initially announced. Um, Treasury Department of Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen or. <laughs> Janet Yellen, as I will refer to her for the rest of this podcast, because that's a long title. She sent a letter to Congress that said, hey, we're going to have to take some extraordinary measures um, to avoid hitting this debt ceiling. So you got to think of the federal government or the way I do sometimes as it's like their bank accounts going into negative. So what they're doing is they're going to withhold their children's allowance in order to pay their their mortgage. Right. Mm-hmm. it's kind of the way to look mm-hmm. at it and i love the fact she wrote a letter like i'm sorry if i my bank account was about to go negative i would be calling my husband like there would be panic in the streets of the reyes household <laughs> everything would be stopped <laughs> but she's in a letter <laughs> like, eh, it's no big deal and the reason that it's no big deal is a couple of different things first first of all the current debt ceiling is more than 31 trillion with a t trillion dollars and she said in her nicely worded letter that there's two, uh, she laid, laid out a number of extraordinary measures the Treasury was going to, it started implementing. And the first one is it started redeeming existing and suspending new investments. So it's suspending new investments in the CSRDF. Okay. So for all your federal employees that have no idea what this is and any other listeners who have no idea what this is, this is the Civil Service Retirement and Disabilities Fund. So the federal government is not adding or not putting new investments in that fund right now. Problematic. And also the Postal Service Retiree Health Benefit Fund, the Postal Fund. So this is, this. if you're a federal employee, this, this should concern you. And the second thing they they talked about doing, or they did, was they suspended reinvestment of the Government Securities Investment Fund, or the G Fund. Now, this, 
for federal employees, you all know the G Fund is a fund within your thrift savings plan. For non-federal employees, it's their 401k. Basically, the government, their, their retirement plan is very different than your retirement plan. And the government can stop contributing or reinvesting into one of their funds. They can suspend reinvestment for the time being. Now, after the debt limit impasse has ended, Janet Yellen has promised she will make all these things whole. The Civil Service Retirement and Disabilities Fund, the Postal, Sur the Postal Fund, and the G Fund will be made whole. Ugh, I never like taking IOUs from anyone, even my own husband. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't trust anybody. Trust but verify in my household. So... A lot of people have come to me and I'm like, okay, what exactly is the debt? You know, what's the debt ceiling? What's the debt limit? It's called to, it, it, both of these things mean the same thing. Debt limit and ceiling, they're used interchangeably. So the debt limit is the total amount of money that the U.S. government is authorized to borrow. Okay, so this is all the money the U.S. can borrow to meet its existing legal obligations. And what are existing legal obligations in English? That means Social Security and Medicare payments, military salaries, the interest on the national debt, tax refunds. So every citizen in the country should care about this hmm. and other payments. But also you should care about it if you're on Social Security or Medicare or a member of the U.S. military or a federal employee. What the debt limit does not not do it does not authorize new spending commitments so we're not going to take this money you know while we're already in the hole and go buy an aircraft carrier it only allows the government to finance existing legal obligations that congress and presidents of both parties have made in the past so this is basically we have to pay the bills that we've agreed to right these are the contracts we've signed and this isn't new <laughs> since 1960 congress has had to act 78 separate times wait 78 times since 19 what 60 60 yeah seven eight times since 1960 to do this now sometimes they permanently raised it sometimes they temporarily extended it it's getting like a, a longer line of credit we'll, we'll look at it that way or my favorite is when they read revise the definition <laughs> of the debt limit like we'll just change the words and then that makes extra room in there and here's the other thing that's kind of interesting. It's happened 49 times under Republican presidents and 29 times under Democratic presidents. So it really hasn't been one party or the other. It's, it's kind of happened pretty universally underneath both parties in power. 78 separate times. Jeez. And, 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 and to their credit, they have always paid back the IOUs. But what I'm more concerned about is how long they're going to do this, because <laughs> the longer they do it, the less likely you're, you know, you're going to get paid back. It's like when you go to dinner with friends and they're like, yeah, we'll pay you back for dinner. And then if you don't get it within that first 24 hours, you're never getting that money. Same kind of thing to me. Um, and so the, what I'm concerned about is how long they're going to do this. And while they do this, there's more problems that we may see. They've talked about, I've heard things like government shutdowns. I've talked about having employee, federal employees work, but not, you know, do the, we'll pay you later situation, which has happened in the past. This is, it's a very scary 
process. I mean, if you are an essential employee and think about this, Ben, if your company couldn't pay you right now and told you we don't have the money to pay you, but you're essential enough, you need me to come in. How long are you going to do that before you start looking for another job? Yeah, not very long. Hmm. And think about the federal government, OPM, put out a letter the last time we had a problem with this saying, oh, here's a letter to take to your mortgage company or your your rent whoever you're renting from, and it explains what you're currently going through. How long is your mortgage company to be like, oh, it's okay, you're not getting paid. Yeah, You don't have to worry about paying us. Like, they're not legally required. The letter doesn't mean anything to them. So this is, this is scary. It's not a little thing that anytime we press this debt, this debt ceiling, and the worst part is right now, Neither side of the aisle, neither Republicans nor Democrats really seem to want to work together to kind of um, increase the debt limit. Mm -hmm. And so it's a big, scary thing. What happens if extraordinary measures are exhausted? And so what's going to happen under extraordinary measures are if, 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 if this doesn't work, if these extraordinary measures don't work, basically they're going to take their stack of bills coming in, including well, payments for federal employee salaries, federal employee pensions, social security payments, payments to contractors, Medicare providers, and put them in order of importance and then decide to pay them based off of that order. Not a good situation. Not a good situation. And so it should, a failure to raise the debt limit could delay payment of federal wages pensions, your tax refund, a lot. And this is this is serious. Um, we saw this happen in 2011. And it cost the federal government around $1.3 billion in increased borrowing costs back in 2011 to do this. So it's, I, I'm concerned. They've done a bypass. They've kind of tried to extend the target date of default a little bit longer into 2023 we're going to stop being able to pay our bills no earlier than third quarter of 2023. So it's, this is scary. This is very, very scary. And the thing that bugs me the most is if I were a federal employee and we work, like I said, we work with a ton of federal employees, but if I were a federal employee being told a, we, you might have to go to work and we're not going to pay you or B we're going to furlough you and you just sit at home mm-hmm. or C if you're you've left federal employment, but you've come back as a contractor, those those people don't get paid at all. They don't get any makeup pay. The other thing is this G fund situation. It, on the outside, most people, okay, yeah, they're going to pay me back my interest. I don't like the idea. Like it, as just financial, if I dipped into our four hundred one k to pay, I don't know our rent, that would be illegal. If I took my employees' money to pay anything for the company mm-hmm. that would be illegal or, or withheld their contributions that would be illegal right. or our match it makes me very very concerned to see as much money as people as much faith as people put in this g fund and it's it's just one of those things like i like to have control over my investments and i don't like a group deciding the rules of the game and then not playing by them yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like this is brand new. 78 times. Yeah, it's basically so an ongoing discussion. 
Yeah. That's basically, basically we'll just kick the can down the road for a little while and hopefully it doesn't get as bad as 2011. And that's that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Well, not the uh, the best update, Brie, but informative as always and important. Well, and there's some things there's some things federal employees can do. I mean, yeah. the, the biggest thing I tell everybody to do three to six months of essential living expenses. So if we do have to do a shutdown or if you are furloughed or you have to work without pay for a little while, you need to have, you know, a backup savings fund. The other thing, think about the T the TSB. Think about how much you're ha- you're loaning the federal government in your G fund. And um, are you comfortable with that amount? Do you understand how the thrift savings work? Our non-federal employee clients, everybody, Social Security, same thing. I want three to six months of essential living expenses in case they don't pay Social Security. It's just, it's stuff we've got to start keeping because I can't, we cannot trust the government. Well, we probably never could, but it's getting worse and worse and no one's able to work together. And I just, I can see this being a serious problem. Yep. You've outlined it pretty well. And again, you know, if you have questions and, and are concerned what your, want to see what your options are, of course, reach out to Bree, 817-444-8402. That's this financial.net is also the website. And then, you know, you have the book as well that you offer, which we point out too when we talk these federal topics that uh, this thing is perfect and a great opportunity to reach out and get this for free, right? Yes, yes. Our My favorite thing, our Fed, federal retirement book. Um, it's called, shockingly, Federal Retirement Flight Plan. We use so many airplane funds around <laughs> here. What I love about it is it's written for the average person. We're not using a lot of finance mumbo jumbo in it. I mean, there's some referrals to other books if you do want to dig into the finance geekier side, because, you know, we embrace geeks around here. I'm one for sure. But it also is kind of sarcastic. It's a little bit of our personality and talks just kind of the way we do in plain old English about your retirement because a federal employee's retirement is so different than the average American private sector retirement. So we talk about the TS3P. We talk about your pension. We talk about different things in here that allow you to kind of understand and and see. So it's, it's really a lot of fun. I love the book. (laughs) It's one of my favorites that we've done. Again, reach out if you want to get a copy of that as well, but a great tool for, for anyone that uh, that is a government employee and lots to think about right now with this debt ceiling. All right, let's shift gears, uh, make it a little bit lighter here on the show for a few minutes at least, um, and a little getting to know Brie Ray as we do this on every episode to get to know a little bit more about her outside of financial and retirement planning. This week, Brie, my question for you is, what would you do with $10 million if you could give it to any single cause? Okay, single cause is hard because I like to spread things around. Any single investment is risky to me. (laughs) You're asking a certified financial planner to put all of her eggs in one basket. (laughs) This is hard. Actually, there's there's a charity I care about quite a bit here in Tarrant County in Fort Worth called Cancer Care Services. Um, You can find out more about them at cancercareservices.org. But they are a cancer charity here in Tarrant County. They're very highly rated on Charity Navigator. Um, And if you don't know what that is, that's a great website to check out charities before you give money to them. It ranks them based off of how much money actually goes to the charity or goes to the, the mission versus salaries of 
staff and marketing and stuff like that. You'd be surprised how much some some charities spend paying themselves yeah, <laughs> versus right. actually getting the money out to the people that need it. And the reason I care so much about cancer care is, well, um, almost 10,000 residents of Tarrant County or, or Fort Worth receive a cancer diagnosis annually. Um, it's the leading cause of death here in Tarrant County. And anything we can do to support cancer patient, the caregivers for cancer patients, empowering survivors, anything we can do to help, I think is really, really important. Um, and so that's where I, and I know so much of what Cancer Care does. I've been there personally and, and really love and respect the organization. So that's what I would do with $10 million. I love it. Great cause. All right, let's close out with a mailbag question for you, Bree, from Michael. He says, I inherited some money from my mom when she passed away last year, and I just got a letter telling me that I have to withdraw some money from the account this year. So what's that all about? I thought I didn't have to do that until I'm in my 70s. Oh, Michael, I'm, first of all, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. I can't even imagine. Um, I'm, I'm watching my parents, and they still look like they're 40 to me, and so I... Yeah, it's the worst thing a kid has to go through is losing your folks. Now, something happened at the end of last year as far as estate planning goes that not a lot of people took note of. Actually, it was beginning of the end of 2021, I guess, beginning of 2022. And this was now we have to take out required minimum distributions from any beneficiary IRAs that we receive. And here's the problem with this one. And, and it's gotten it's gotten more and more confusing because initially they came out and said, hey, you have to take out some money, but basically the account has to be empty in, um, in a number of years, five or 10 years. There were some rules on that. And everybody went, okay, so we, we have a few years to get the money out. And then the IRS came back and said, no, 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 no. Sorry, we weren't clear on that. You have a few years to get the entire balance of the account out, but we want you to start taking money out of it the year after someone passes. And we'll tell you how much to take out. So it's it's now become, actually, they won't. The IRS won't tell you how much to take out. They just would like you to take out a certain amount. And they know the number they want you to take out, but they're not going to tell you because that's way too much, way too easy. And so actually it was December, it was January 1st, 2020 that this was all put in place. And the rules have started to change a little bit each year. Like I said, initially it was, oh, you've got so long, 10 years. Um, it's five or 10 year rule. It'll be fabulous. It, you know, not a problem. And then we've since then seen, oh no, we have to take a little bit out each year. There are some calculators online. This is something you should work with your certified financial planner to do because not taking out the amount that you're supposed to take out is a massive penalty. Um, and so we want to make sure you don't have to pay any penalties. So it's one of those situations where you need to work with a certified financial planner. Beneficiary IRAs, I always recommend working with a certified financial planner because it gets complicated and you do not want to anger the IRS, hmm. especially when they're not getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> you do not want to be their, their target when they are not getting their money. 
That was a great question uh, and something to think about. But again, yeah, sorry for your loss there, Michael, uh, but we do appreciate you reaching out. And if you have questions for Bree, you can always do the same thing. You can always log on, sthisfinancial.net. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn as well. And as always, the phone number to reach the office is 817-444-8402. And if you are a federal employee getting close to retirement, uh, perfect time now to reach out. And uh, if you have questions about what we talked about today, please do that as well. But a lot to think about, Bree. In the meantime, please, we hope you take care of yourself uh, and hopefully uh, we'll have a better update next time. Yes. And if you would like a copy of that federal retirement flight plan, the email address or, or call our office 817-444-8402 or email us info, I-N-F-O at estesfinancial.net and we'll get you a copy out. Everybody listening, go out and leave and fund it. Thank you.